was on the 92 1862 on a summer's afternoon I took the bus from Barbaras She was heavy laden And away we went along Collingwood Street That's on the road to Bladen Oh, me lad, you should have seen him smiling Passing the bus along the road Just to see him smiling And all the lads and lasses there And all the smiling faces Down the land of Scots were good Yo, what is good, ladies, gentlemen, and germs? It is another episode of CHN Radio, and it is your boy Elijah here on the ones and twos. And uh, Greg Troxel, I don't know if you've heard the news. Um, I don't know if you heard the news. Have you heard the news? What what news? That Have we're you heard back? The news? Uh, we are back. We are back. <laughs> it, it's like the Michael Jordan, uh, the, uh, the, the, like, what was that? It was like a, a fax that they sent in. His agent when he oh, retired. I'm back. I'm back. Yeah, we're back. Yeah, we're back. CHN Radio, we had to come back. Uh, probably the biggest, definitely the biggest event that's happened since we started this podcast, but probably the biggest event in Newcastle, probably in the black, what, last 25 years has occurred? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm Elijah. Yeah. Oh, no, go ahead, Greg. You go ahead. You say, what, what were you going to say? I would say at least 25 years. No, at a minimum, 25 years. Um, for those of you who don't know, I'm Elijah, like I said. Um, and this is my esteemed co-host for the, the interim for now. I don't know. Greg, you can hop into that later. But yeah. uh, Greg Troxel, um, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> you can follow us on the Twitters at Elijah underscore Newsom and at NUFC underscore Greg. And, of course, follow the podcast account at CHN underscore podcast. Follow uh, Coming Home in UFC at Coming Home in UFC, which has content on it for the first time in a while. Uh, I feel like, Greg, before we even get into the news of the day, I think we should explain what's been going on. So for our longtime listeners, um, mm. Mm. it's been a minute. It's been oof, uh, months. Um, basically, we stopped recording because we got super busy. A lot has happened since we the last episode we recorded. I don't think I was employed. I now have a job in which I, <laughs> I, uh, I travel a bunch. I work at, you know, a, a fun car company and I travel all the time. Um, and then Greg also got a promotion uh, and then moved to Austin, Texas, and then got another promotion <laughs> and also had been traveling a bunch. So uh, literally it was just like sort of like perfect storm of busyness. So we ended the season uh, really not be able to kind of record. Then the summer happened and then the fall started, the season started, and it turns out we were both still stupid busy. But here we are. We're back. Um, we'll we'll get some more content out for you. But first, Greg, I'll kick it to you. You can tell everyone your news. Yes. So the the good news is CHN radio will never die. But the bad news is it won't be with me. Um, I'm firing myself. I haven't oh. done a good job. Yeah, there you go. Sacked. He did the bigger thing. Him, it, it, who's better? Who's the better man, Greg or Steve Bruce? I say yeah. Greg. Greg yeah. knows when to walk away from an opportunity that's not working out. Yeah. No. Uh, it's obviously in a perfect world I could just do this all the time and not have to uh, worry about it, and I would love to, but I, I just it's just not possible. The good news is I'm about to be a dad as well, uh, so that's breaking news. 
Um, actually, we haven't even like announced that to most people. So if, oh. if people I know are listening to this podcast, they're going to find out for the first time. Oh, Greg, Greg, let's be honest. No one you know is listening to this podcast. <laughs> I, I guess oh, we're breaking news. I got engaged. I totally forgot. Yeah, yeah. That oh, was the other engaged. thing that happened. Was I got A lot, engaged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So y'all can understand. Maybe some things went down. Um, but yeah, just with life, it, it just gets hard. So obviously I'm always, always and forever will be a Newcastle fan and watch every match and, um, and like enjoy being a Newcastle fan, but it's obviously not possible to like give you the depth that is needed to do this and have the time to do it consistently. Um, but the good news is the reason why we're all here, the best damn post in the land, Elijah Newsom is going to take the reins and continue on this path towards CHN glory. It's true. I'm yes. here. I'm here to stay. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's been, it, yeah, like it's been busy um, and it's crazy. Um, obviously this podcast wouldn't exist without Greg. It was his baby. He created it. Um, he created the network um, and he, he pushed hard for it. Um, like, I'm, I mean, you guys don't know this, but there was a time where, uh, for some reason, it wasn't like it, it. I wouldn't say it was frowned upon, but like it just wasn't a priority for SB Nation to have podcasts. And so Greg fought hard for it. Um, and there were people who said no, and people eventually gave us a shot, and it worked out. And I'm not going to say it's because of us, because it literally had nothing to do with us. But now every SB Nation side has a podcast, at least <laughs> one of them. Um, but yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. I mean, obviously, it, it's 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 sad to see Greg go, but obviously, um, he's always there. He's going to be on the Twitters doing his thing oh, on yeah. occasion. Um, and obviously, Greg and I are still friends. Um, he's the homie for real. And so yeah. there's there's definitely potential that Greg can make appearances in the future. Like if I mm -hmm. show up to his house with the microphone, he's not going to say no. <laughs> um that's just how that's how it is that's how we roll but definitely it's super dope it's been great doing this with you i mean i know i think man dude it, we this has literally sparked an insanely cool friendship and it's yeah. been dope just getting to know you and becoming literally just like the og for me yeah, so absolutely. this has been been a lot of fun um enough sappy stuff though greg um and you guys can hit greg with all the sap and all that kind of stuff and uh, just tweet at him yeah, um, yeah. Just yeah. do that. You sh uh, no one will. Oh, actually, just do Gtrox twenty four. Oh yeah, oh, th throwing the personal out there. That, I'm just gonna use that for now on. Oh, okay. Gtrox twenty four. All right. Uh, breaking That's news. Gtrox Gtrox twenty four is is Greg's yeah sole Twitter, which makes sense. It was his OG Twitter. Yeah. And he actually I, wasn't following me on it, so uh, there's that <laughs> until recently. So there's I was following him this whole time, but. He wasn't following me from it. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. that's uh, fairness. Like my Twitter, my personal Twitter, it's going to be not like a hundred percent Newcastle. So um, we do have lives outside of Newcastle United um, where we both follow other sports. So it's <laughs> yes. probably going to be a lot more of those things. Okay. Um, let's, let's actually get into the, 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 the news of the day. Um, obviously yeah. um, breaking news, uh, Newcastle United are under new ownership. The body takeover that we've talked about for Greg, I, yeah, fourteen or fifteen months at this point yeah. has finally gone through. Yeah. After just multiple hurdles, multiple scenarios, scandals, uh, withdrawals, court cases, 
it's finally gone through, and it's hilarious how easily it, it went through once they got to the nitty gritty of it we'll all. We can, we can talk about that later. Um, but yeah, it, it happened, and um, as always, Greg, I felt like you know, kind of, we teased the return of this podcast, and the only way I felt we could do it is by, of course, bringing back the goat segment. Uh, three mm. words, and I don't know if you saw. I used the perfect gift. I don't know if you saw this, Greg, because yeah, you're so I busy. Uh, but the, the Steve Bruce 99 pace FIFA 22 clip is probably one of the funniest things that has ever happened uh, to Newcastle Twitter <laughs> besides the like, how's, how's the sausage or how's the bacon? How's the bacon? You say that was yeah. a great moment. Um, but we did a three words uh, to, re- to describe everyone's feelings after today. So I'll just run through them real quick. The OG, Mr. Still your world, <laughs> Mr. Still your world hot worldwide. Uh, he says, we're signing Holland. The Amanda Stavely fan club at Andos Nose says best day ever. Louis Akers at Akers. Louis says we are back. Eric, another OG at Stumanji says tears of joy. Tunarmi Chico, their name, cans it be true. Joy, hope, elation. James Whitmore at JLob underscore broski. So effing happy. Benjamin Dahlman at big underscore chief D. Great name, by the way. I'm always a fan of big D's. Pause. Um, wait 10 days. Um, oh, yes, because we played Tottenham in 10 days. I get that. Oh. Eric Schmidt, NUFC Indiana, CHN is alive. Yes, we are alive. Darren Hahn at Han Darren, happiness beyond comprehension. That's like, that's three words, but it felt like four because of the mouthful. And then yeah. Brett Mason just with the, with the gif from, uh, from Despicable Me that just says, I'm so happy. Uh, mm. with the, the youngest daughter. I don't know her name. Uh, I don't watch that. Um, but yeah, Greg, do you have three words? Really fucking happy. There you go. Yeah. I, yeah. So I, I said effing because we're trying to, I don't oh, want to yeah, use yeah. the explicit tag, but I, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yes. everyone just started cursing now. No, no. Um, <laughs> so, uh, without further ado, we'll just break, break it down for you real quick. So, um, just kind of set the tone. This is what Newcastle season's been like so far. We haven't actually reacted to any of it, but Newcastle are terrible. Um, like they're legitimately not good. Uh, zero wins in 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 seven matches thus far. Um, and sitting at the bottom of the table in the relegation zone as of yet. Not the worst team in the league. I believe we're nineteenth right now. I'm going to fact check myself because you're correct. Oh, good. There we go. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that was I me. Mean, I don't even know what to say to that. But yes, uh, three draws and four losses um, came off a heartbreaking loss to Wolves. Um, you can pretend like the team has shown some improvement. There's it definitely showed improvement from the first game, which was terrible, to the last game, which was slightly less terrible. But again, literally not at all any optimism in this in the season and uh, so far. And it was it was so bad that it almost felt like. Um, everyone kind of, no one was mad. Everyone kind of was accepting a grim fate, if that makes sense. Like, I didn't feel sad, but I was like, yeah, we're definitely getting relegated this year. As opposed to, like, in years past, I, like, would be mad that Newcastle were bad. I don't know. Is that how you were feeling thus far? Yeah, it it felt like there was just no end. And, you know, it almost felt like Sunderland-type situation was about to happen. Yeah. Just it was one of it, Newcastle felt like one of those teams that was just gonna not win the rest, like Norwich of I guess was that last year or two years ago? Two years ago, 
too. Whereas like they looked really bad and they got a win against Newcastle and then that was cool. And this but, year. Yeah, and then this, yeah, it's true. Uh, but yeah, so there's that. Um, so that's that's the table. Not a lot of hope uh, until we had our first court hearing regarding Newcastle's cat case, which that's a thing. Uh, we kind of probably briefly talked about that before uh, everything happened, but it was so far in advance. It had been delayed twice uh, and now was in a public forum. A lot of nuggets came out of that, including like this uh, insinuation by Newcastle's camp that um, the Premier League was planning to ban Newcastle uh, <laughs> and, and things of that sort. Um, a lot of pointing fingers at BN and their relationship with uh, the Premier League. Again, uh, just a lot of he said, she said, um, a, a date for arbitration was set for January 3rd. And that kind of was the bigger takeaways was just kind of Premier League was getting a little power hungry in the eyes of, of many. And that we had an arbitration date finally set after, you know, hearing about arbitration uh, trying to occur for the last few months. We have a date in mind. And then literally a week later, uh, after that, the club is under new ownership. And so how that all went down was we got some reports uh, yesterday on, I guess, the 6th of October um, that the BN, uh, the BN Sports uh, was not banned in Saudi Arabia anymore. And I, I was cautiously optimistic. I wasn't even optimistic. I was like, yeah, good for them. You've got the piracy thing done and dusted. But in reality, like, you still have to prove that the PIF is not at all related to uh, the Saudi Arabian state. Like, that was the issue. That was what we were told was the biggest issue. It had nothing to do with piracy. It had everything to do with the fact that Saudi Arabia was a, a government that was buying a team. And Newcastle still had to prove that that wasn't the case. Or that group still had to prove that wasn't the case. And so I was like, ain't no way that was happening. But as the day went on, more and more reports came out from, I don't even need to quote certain sources. I don't know who had it first. It doesn't matter who had it first because at the end of the day, like when every journalist is aligned on the fact that, you know, announcement imminent, we've never really seen that before with anything, even signings. So it was kind of like, okay, Newcastle are actually getting sold. And uh, that's what happened today. Yeah. Um, everyone was kind of waiting in anticipation and um, it happened around like, 12 15 uh, i guess 5 15 uh uk time newcastle united uh premier league was the first release their statement then newcastle released their statement and um then oh sorry it's really premier league then the pif then newcastle released their statement and um i mean we can we can go we basically this is kind of what it says uh premier league statement says the premier league newcastle united football club and st james holding limited have today settled the dispute over the takeover of the club by the consortium of pif pcp castle capital partners and rb sports and media following the completion of premier league's owners and directors test the club has been sold to the consortium with immediate effect the legal disputes concern with which ent entities would own or hand or have the ability to control the club following the takeover all parties have agreed the settlement is necessary to end the long uncertainty for fans over the club's ownership. The Premier League has now received legally binding assurances that the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia will not control Newcastle United Football Club. All parties are pleased to have concluded this process, which gives certainty and clarity to Newcastle United Football Club and their fans. So that's what the Prem said. And then real quick, because we don't want to make this super long, I'll quickly read what the what the club and, the, and everyone else had to say. Um, just some notes. Yasser Al-Rumayan, who is going to be 
the chair. Uh, his, the, excellency. his Excellency. I'm not saying that. I'm sorry. No, 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 I, you must. You must. Oh, his God. Excellency. His Excellency, yes, Yasir Al Rumayan, uh, said yep. this. We're extremely proud to become the new owners of Newcastle United, one of the most famous clubs in English football. We thank Newcastle fans for tremendous loyal support over the years, and we're excited to work together with them. Amanda Stavely, we all know her. Uh, fourth time's to charm, I guess, with uh, trying to buy Newcastle. Uh, this is a long-term investment. We're excited about future prospects for Newcastle United. We intend to instill a United philosophy across the club, establish a clear purpose, and help provide leadership that will allow Newcastle United to go on to big to, to, to big achievements over the long term. Our ambition is in line with the fans to create a consistently successful team that's regularly competing for major trophies and generates pride across the globe. And then Jamie Rubin released a statement. We look forward to a great future for Newcastle United. Newcastle is a fantastic city, which is why our family has been investing heavily in the area for many years. To be a part of this great club and its amazing fans is a privilege. We will build true community club based upon our family's knowledge of the city and in line with our plans that have worked on closely with Newcastle City Council, deliver long-term sustainable growth for the area. Um, a couple quick notes, and then we'll toss it over to reactions. Um, just some housekeeping. So we know a little bit about the structure now. Lee Charlie is going to stay on as the CEO of the club uh, for the time be being, which, again, makes sense. Uh, people have to remember this this transaction. Transaction like this ideally would happen in the offseason, um, but of course, it, we are in the season. We're we're in the middle of the season, so um, you you can't have too much turnover for the time being. Um, the non-executive chairman of the club, Yasir Almer, is going to be His Excellency Yasir Almerman, who is the governor of the PIF. Um, it, it, important thing is non-executive chairman, uh, which means that he kind of is not supposed to be involved in the day to day. Um, Amanda Stavely has a seat on the board, and Jamie Rubin is going to be the director of the club who is the son of one of the Rubin brothers. And he previously was the chairman of C of QPR, I want to say. Uh, I don't know if he's a chairman, but he was on that board as well. So he has got a little bit of experience. Savely's got experience. And of course, the goal is obviously to bring in a more competent person to be director of the, the club itself, the CEO of the club, um, to replace sort of Lee Charlie. But that's all we know right now. And the other thing, Greg, I know it's going to be really sad for you. Um, it is highly unlikely that Steve Bruce will remain with the club. Whoa. Yeah, I know. So uh, it's uh, people are saying he could get released as, as early as before the Tottenham game, which again, like we saw with Watford, uh, when you don't have any wins, seven games in the season, that's actually logical. But it's so weird to hear that after just literally we had reassurances like Monday that Steve Bruce was like keeping his job through the season. Like he can weather the storm, but Greg oh, uh, this thing moved. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that, that's what happened. That happened. Uh, we're here. I feel like I did a decent job of trying to summarize everything. I'm sure I left out some details, but who cares? We got new, new owners, St. James. I'm sure they're still uh, standing outside the, the park uh there have been fans literally been waiting outside of the of st james uh since like nine o'clock in the morning uk time and then when everything went down and people got off work it was crazy uh the amount of people that were there in and around the stadium and of course it's probably really cool to see if you just bought a football team and like you look outside your window of your hotel or you like are scrolling through twitter because all of these guys are on twitter which is underrated mike ashley just wasn't on did not have a social presence but literally all these new owners have a social presence and they are active on twitter which is cool 
mm-hmm. it could work to their detriment as well. Um, people are going to be tweeting at Jamie Rubin, why don't we sign Mbappe? Uh, but yeah, uh, it's, it's, that's just got to be a cool sight to see. Fans just singing about the club and all that kind of stuff. Every former player chipping in. I'm not going to go through and read what everyone said, but I mean, you could look at any player on Twitter who's, who's said something and they've all been absolutely delighted. Um, and Jose Perez, GOAT, uh, he actually even commented on it as well. I don't say Maximin uh, obviously commented on it. Uh, Paul Dummett uh, had a little go at Sunderland fans um, as well on Twitter today. So, again, uh, it's it's a good day. Greg, what are your reactions, uh, your thoughts off the bat? Like anything stick out to you? Yeah, the first thing uh, is we've really all come full circle because for me, for my experience and other people – May have followed this a different way, but uh, it was Luke Edwards that actually was the first one to say, hey, it's happening. It's <laughs> true. And after all of that, like he like I think Luke Edwards was right the whole time. Like he had the best source of anyone. Yeah, uh, because because whoever Luke's source is knew it's like, nah, it's not going through. And they were right the whole time. But the second that that new rule that that BN Sports was allowed to be published in Saudi Arabia. That was it. Like Luke Edwards immediately went and said, Hey, this is a huge deal. I think it's going to happen this week. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he like, he went, he was like, right before you go to bed, he's like, I think it might happen tomorrow. Like he was like his yeah. source, whoever it is, is on it. So maybe we should probably trust Luke Edwards a little bit more. Um, and I don't blame him for not, but I think he's proven himself that he might be really reliable at this point. So if any news comes out with Luke Edwards, I'd probably believe it at this point uh, because he was spot on the entire time. I will say uh, this, Luke Edwards hasn't really missed at all over the past couple of years. He's, but the issue is that he's delivered a lot of news that Newcastle fans don't like. Yeah. So he's been like the OG, like one of his sources is Steve Bruce, like, or someone close to the Bruce camp. Um, like one of the first team coaches, uh, because he legit was like every single time, Steve Bruce, not getting fired. Steve Bruce is not getting fired. Steve Bruce is not, even when everyone was like, he's got to go. And it'd be like, Luke would be the person that's like, everyone's like announce Steve Bruce firing. And then Luke Edwards would be the one to be like, no, he's not getting fired. Like just mm-hmm. so you know, he also was spot on about Newcastle's budget situation. Um, I didn't want to believe him saying that we only had like 10 million to spend this summer. And he was actually spot on with that. Newcastle made one signing, Joe Willock, and it's in installments, which is the first time we've ever made a signing in installments. So like, say what you want to say, but. Um... <laughs> I bet Arsenal's Arsenal's got to be pinging Newcastle. right now. I was like, Hey, you want to, you want to pay up the rest of that? <laughs> you don't mind. Like, yeah. do you, you, you sure you still want to do installments? But, that, but that's at least the first thing I want to mention, because that's how I that's how I followed it, the news. Um, but the real news is this, is like, is, you know, as Newcastle supporters, we've been through a lot. And that's even going back, like, it depends, like a lot of our uh, listener base. I mean, it's about 50-50 listener base from the United States to uh, England. And then there's like people scattered all over the world, which we love and appreciate all of you listeners, but uh, if you've come from, if you're a listener from England, from Newcastle that have been following this team since birth and you were born in the nineties or eighties or seventies or whenever, or two thousands, early two thousands, there was a glimpse of, well, except for early two thousands, there was like a glimpse of like, you saw this club at its best at one time. And I never got to see that. I 
was start, started supporting Newcastle a year before Ashley um, took over. And so I like didn't get, I didn't really get to see it. I, you know, I got a little taste, like this is a big club in England, but didn't get, really get it. And at the time I was nowhere near as invested as I became. So like a lot of us, we don't, this is so foreign to us because we've never seen it before, but like a lot of the sentiment I'm seeing from people in Newcastle is like Newcastle, this club is like greater than where we're from. It's greater than their city. It's greater than anything we've ever experienced because that's what it was at one point. Like I was talking to Elijah before this that you know, we Newcastle had the record, the highest transfer fee ever at one point uh, for Alan Shearer. Like this club was at the top at the cream of the cop, uh, the cream of wow, the cream of the crop. Uh, and they were playing Barcelona. And we even had Warren Barton on this podcast to talk about the night they beat Bar- Barcelona. And I remember something from that interview um, that he said is like, the most annoying thing about all this is that we still talk about that night as the greatest moments in Newcastle history. Like how has it not gotten better from that? I think that's, that's going to change. We're, we're going to enter a new world for the, for the first time. And I won't say ever because it's not ever like this club is, was destined for greatness and it was turned, it made a wrong turn. Like this is for the second time in our history that Newcastle is at the top. Um, is potential to be at the top, I'll say. And like you now going to have, and I think I going back, I don't mean to be absolute love bombing Luke Edwards, but he said it perfectly today in a tweet I saw where it said every CEO that every top CEO is going to want, is going to be calling Newcastle. Every top player that is looking for a big payday or like a new environment, their agent's going to call Newcastle. Like we're going to enter a world that we haven't seen in a long, long time in an era that nobody expected 20 years ago. Like this is going to be bigger and more outrageous than anything we've ever seen. And the news from Newcastle is going to switch from desperation and disappointment to like craziness. Like the news stories that we're about to hear from this club are nowhere near anything that we've ever experienced before, or probably any club has ever experienced before. Like we're going to be in the race for everyone at every time, no matter what. And my last, my last thing I'll say about this is I think it would be really cool if we created this new league where all the rich clubs in the world would join it and we could just play this like one simple league where just all the rich clubs could do it. Yeah. No, like, yeah. United and like yeah. other the smaller clubs than yeah, us. Like the smaller ones like PSG or like, yeah, like yeah, Manchester like, City, like some, yeah, some, one like of those. Of, yeah. If we just created like a little league where like <laughs> us and the little minnows that think they're rich can yeah. play against like, us. Like some sort of league that's better than a normal league. I don't know, like a super league. Yeah, maybe that, super yeah, league. yeah super that would be good. A good one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, I would agree with everything you just said. Um, I'd say uh, th- there was one person who probably had the best source of all. And, and when that person tweeted, it was kind of like, that's when it, it sunk in for me. Like, okay, this is happening. Um, when George Calkin tweets about uh, anything yeah. takeover related, you you just ha- you know that like it's true. Like Luke was first, but George is like the you know it, it's legit George, because George is for the people. But but also people forget like George Calkin has the best source. George Calkin sat down with Amanda Savely in 2018 when her first couple of bids were rejected, and so like that's his source is literally like yo Amanda is our going. Yeah, it's going down, and she's like, "Yeah, it's going down," um, and like, it, and it all happened so quick, which is 
it's just I want to go back to like day one of Newcastle selling the club. First people linked to it. I don't even remember. Maybe at my, I don't even know if Ben Zayed Group was the first or like and Ben Zayed Group might have been one of the first ones. But I remember distinctly and Greg has held this belief since day one. When a takeover happens, it's really quick. Like it's just like everything, even from owners and direct. You don't hear all these rumors and all these things like that. And that's literally what happened here. It was like a week ago, Premier League and Newcastle were at odds. And then literally, like when I tell you, I, I was like, there's no way. And I look up, like I'm looking up the, you know, info in the case. And it's like seven days ago was it was when this was written about the hearing. Yeah. And like, and it's like that, that is how a takeover occurs. It's like, it's quick. It's swift. Um, I'm going to just real quick hit on just the, the not so fun part about this. We've talked about this a bunch. We obviously know like the, who we're dealing with with this ownership group hey before we get into this okay just, yeah go ahead i want to thank one more person okay uh because this will that you're about to get into some serious stuff um i want to thank mike ashley but not don't get upset about this i want to thank mike ashley for being so aggressive in trying to sell this club no that's fair. Like, he played a significant role in this and i there was a quote he had today i just pulled it up um, he said, I would like, I would like it to be known. He's like <laughs> looking for yeah. credit. For no, I mean, it's, he said, it's true. I, I said, I would like it to be known that I received a higher offer for the club than the one I accepted. It was from another reputable bidder who made a credible case, but I felt the bid that we accepted from the current new owners would deliver the best for Newcastle United money. Wasn't my own only consideration. So if that's true, fantastic from him, but also like, he he's the catalyst. If he's not suing like the premier league and taking this to arbitration and putting in the work and the, going into the media and hard, this might not ever be resolved. It got to a point where we could find out and I'm, I'm guessing here, but it got to the point of these cases where the premier league probably told him like, look, if you guys figure this out, it's done. Like we won't, we'll cancel everything. And yeah. they're like, Oh, that's it. Like you just want us to like handle our thing with BN. Like, Oh, all right, we'll do that next week. Like, like, you know, like, like that type of thing. Like sometimes that's all it takes. And Ashley was aggressive, the most aggressive he's been as an owner outside of like drinking with the fans when he first bought the club. Yeah. Uh, like that. I thank you for doing that because like you, you probably put us in the best possible situation we've ever been in. No. Yeah, that's true. I think that there's, I, 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 and I honestly believe him when he says that there was a, a, a higher bid that came, but when you look at the backing behind yeah. this bid, like, you take the PIF out of this already, but you look at the Rubin brothers alone and it's like there, there's no one who someone who could have produced a higher bid that maybe like you get immediate cash now, but you see the club not, you know, they're, they're not, the trajectory is not, it's not upward. Um, yeah. As with this, it's like, you, you don't want to, you don't want to go down the route of unlimited investment. But I think, you know, when you have the, the funds um, that this, that, that the, the club have now, you can do a lot of things a lot better. And when you look at some of the richest clubs in the world, the clubs that went from being okay to being powerhouses, you look at uh, Manchester City and Chelsea in particular. Um, one of the coolest things that happened this summer was uh, the Athletic did like a full length, like three-part article on like Manchester City and the City Group and City Football Group. And then you, when you see how much investment uh, was put into like that team and that organization as a whole, and how much restructuring was done. And then it's like, you know, all everyone ever sees is them, you know, buying players for 65, 70 million. 
no one no one sees like the back end where they've got legitimately created one of the best academies in England, created one of the best like footballing networks in the world, and have created a model that others have copied. Like you look at the City Group and what they've done, and you look at like what Red Bull. It's the same thing. You create you create a network of just high quality footballing organizations that produce good count good talent. They have a plan for every player. Like that kind of stuff. Like that's the kind of stuff you get when you have the wealth of resources that we have now, where you can essentially pay anyone as much as they want to create the perfect storm for you. Um, and so there's that. And I, I also want to thank Mike Ashley for one other thing, something that has gone criminally underrated is that because Newcastle have generated a profit for the last, since they've been in the premier league, <laughs> it's never, ever been an issue for us, but now like Newcastle with financial fair play, they can go on a Chelsea-esque spending spree that Chelsea went on last summer. Um, I guess, yeah, last summer, meaning like summer of, what, 2020? I don't know. When, whenever they bought Havertz and Werner and all those, and they spent like yeah. 200 mil, Newcastle can technically do that. I don't know if it will happen because Mike Ashley has been so frugal that the club has literally like not had a loss in five seasons. Uh, so we can just spend as much money as we want, essentially. Um, but I do want to hit on something really quick because we've talked about this a ton. Um, you guys know how we feel about the Saudi group and takeovers in general, but I did want to draw attention to just a couple of, of just good, just, I don't know, perspectives to have. Tony Evans, friend of the pod, people forget. That was like one of our first interviews. It was. Um, not okay. people forget. People probably don't even know. That was legit. One of our first interviews was with Tony Evans talking about Rafa Benitez. Um, he says, I've always had time for Newcastle fans. This isn't a larger thread he has. You can go to his page and check it out. I've always had time for Newcastle fans. They don't need to become fans of Saudi Arabia. You can love your team and dislike those in the boardroom. You can't help who owns a club that you were born or decided to support. Um, but you don't have to buy into the people who bought the team. And I think, and he says, I truly understand the confliction. And I think that's like, I think yesterday we saw a lot of happiness. And today we've seen a lot of people who are conflicted between, you know, we know that the owners of this club are not the best people. Um, and you know how I feel about billionaires in general. I don't think that there's anything as a sweet and nice billionaire. Every billionaire is corrupt. You, that's how you get that B. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta do some shady stuff. You gotta stuff be to bad become. for the B, baby. Yeah. Like even if Jeff Bezos bought this club, it would still be like a ooh, yikes! Like knowing his history and his his labor. Yeah, you'd have the players peeing in cups. Yeah, <laughs> like it's it's still it would still be a yikes ownership. So. That is just something to 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 be mindful of. And as Newcastle fans, I, I plead you all to not think that this is a everyone versus Newcastle thing. When people start talking about Saudi Arabia, and rightfully so, the multiple human rights violations they occur, they have, and you know, the idea of sport washing, it is not something that is unique to Newcastle. I did a whole thread on it on the Coming Home Newcastle uh, account where like people get like people get called organizations get called out on this all the time. WWE just got called out on it. Um, because they've got they've got a, a wrestling match with Saudi Arabia and one in Qatar. F1, they've got called out on. Obviously, Manchester City, they get called out on at Chelsea from time to time because Roman is not uh he he is he's Russian oligarchy. So, you know, take that as you may. Like it's not just Newcastle. PSG, of course, they've gotten to it. BN sports themselves have gotten called out on it. Qatar, everyone like so don't think that this is everyone attacking Newcastle. Just know this comes with the territory and it's going, it's never going to stop. Anytime anything like this happens, um, it, it, you're there's always going to be like a hey, look how this has ruined football, and it's just something we're gonna have to live with. All right, so enough of that. I think we've got good reactions in. Um, 
Greg, any any final words before we hop into questions? Um, I'm just excited, y'all. Like, this is amazing. This is incredible. Like, we're on the cusp of something that's, like, never seen before in money-wise ever. And I, I hope it works. Like, I, I mean, we have no reason not to, to believe it doesn't. So I'm super excited. Oh, and Kane, real quick, uh, we got another three words. Late submission from Trevor Mooney, 12. <laughs> Iozzi oh, still please shite. Yes, yes. Please do it. <laughs> Iozzi still shite. There yes, he didn't let us down. Yes, uh, just six minutes ago. <laughs> I love it. Um, oh, we're going to take a quick break because I've totally forgot that we have to do commercials. So uh, we'll, we'll take a break uh, and we'll come back and close out the pilots and questions. Yeah, let's go drink some beer. Okay, um, we're back. Uh, we're feeling good. We're feeling frisky. Um, again, uh, Newcastle have new ownership, and we're rich now. Um, a couple of notes before we get into it, and some of the questions might get into it. Greg, I think this is important to note. We're not going to expect um, crazy signings. Off the bat, that's just not how this consortium has presented itself. Um, there's also a lot to... Uh, like, it's, it, I would say, I mean, Newcastle fans kind of know this, but a lot of my other friends are like, oh, Champions League next season. I give Newcastle five years before they really start making a lot of noise because there's so much that has to be fixed right now. Um, you've got to revamp, we've got to revamp all of our facilities, completely overhaul our scouting and recruitment system, completely overhaul our academy. And then, yeah. then, then you start looking at other things like sports medicine and, um, you know, setting up, you know, satellite camps and, and, and partnerships with other clubs that have allowed the Chelsea's, the Manchester cities, the, uh, the, the Manchester United's, uh, the Real Madrid's, Barcelona's, PSG's to remain competitive and, uh, you know, have themselves in the conversations for making a security Champions League spot. And we have to do this all while, again, again, like it's nice to have resources, but you still have to put the right people in the right places. And um, we're going up against stiff competition. Wolves have been doing well in that regard and Leicester are, are a great example of a club that you look at you know five years ago and where they are now um I think that's probably the more accurate trajectory for Newcastle is it's going to be about five seasons before you start saying oh Newcastle contenders for the prem um so it was the same way with Man City it was it wasn't as immediate as people think it was about three to four years for them and right. I, I will yeah. just interject I don't think any Newcastle fans Oh, again, and like I said, no, I don't I mean, think Newcastle that, fans care at all. I don't think yeah, they, national I, media will certainly be like, oh, Newcastle fans, you didn't get what you wanted. No, we got exactly what we wanted. No, like, yeah, no. You're, <laughs> like, well, but, hey, I got all I got all the time you need, baby. Like, let's yeah. do this thing. The funniest thing is, like, when you look at Newcastle fans uh, and tweeting about, like, the things that they want, they're like, academy, and they're putting standing section. That's, like, the second thing. It's like, that's all Newcastle fans want. They want to be able to stand during matches. And they, and they believe that the reason it hasn't happened is because Mike Ashley's too cheap to do the renovation for it. Yep. <laughs> so it's like, that, that's, that's what we're looking at um, with, with, uh, with, with Newcastle fans. All right, Greg, we do have some questions. Um, yeah. So let, let's hop into those. Um, we got a few. Uh, so let's get into it. Um, we'll start with, uh, Mr. Celia worldwide. It's a pretty easier one. Um, by the way, Greg, and I've done no prep for these as per the norm. So, uh, you're just going to get our raw reactions real quick. Um, he says no question, no question, but I wanted to say we miss you guys. Thanks, Mr. Celia worldwide. 
Then he actually followed with a question. I have one quick question. How quick is Brucey getting fired? Um, <laughs> Craig, what, what do you think? So all I know is, is that apparently Stavely met with Bruce and LaSalle's today. Yeah. And obviously there was no decision made. Um, and then I saw Bruce, Bruce's exclusive where he said that, um, that basically like he, he knew. Yeah. Like owners usually want new managers. Totally gets it. He'd love to say, but probably not likely. So I think they have him. I mean, I think it like it would make sense to do it like now because it's an international break. But um, if I mean, I just don't see how like this is a good time to do it right now. No, it's it, legitimately if, the perfect time to do it. But only if like it's only a good time if you have somebody lined up. If you don't have somebody lined up, then it's kind of pointless. Like we just, we do have to survive this year. Yeah. And, and we likely will because of January's window, but like we, we need to do the right thing. So maybe it's like, like to hear this, but maybe it's keep Bruce through October and then November international break. That's when you do the transition. That's what yeah. I'm, that's a two. I, options we'll see. I, I think uh, for me, uh, one, there was, there was one tweet that was absolutely hilarious. Um, uh, it was uh uh, it was it was one news outlet that was talking about uh, Steve Bruce, uh, and let me see, I have it right here. It was Football Three Sixty Five. It said Steve Bruce. This was yesterday. Steve Bruce is reportedly aware of his fate if Newcastle takeovers goes through. And someone quote tweeted and said, "It sounds like they're saying they're going to behead him," which dark humor, but also pretty funny. Um, I I honestly, Greg, I'll push back on that and I say that. Uh, I think now is the perfect time to fire him. You have the 10 days uh, before your next match or roughly you've got the whole break. You know, you're not playing until the following Sunday. This feels like a perfect time to oh, have a, Graham. We can make Graham. Yeah, can't, I was about to say you like typically what would happen is you have a caretaker manager and Graham Jones is like legit. Probably if you could, if there, it's a perfect scenario type of like Steve Bruce is fired. Graham Jones sort of caretaker. He's tactically sound enough to get you through. Also a guy who could stick around on, on a staff in the future, already knows the players, probably has a different idea of what he wants to do tactically and can probably get you to November. I would imagine that you would see Wait. a little bit. Huh? What if they're just calling Rafa and said, like, just name your price? <laughs> well, uh, and that's the thing is, like, I think you still have to give it time. So I think, you know, November international break seems like a good time for Newcastle to – probably appoint a more permanent manager, especially depending on where they are in the table. Um, that way that manager can have an idea of what they want in January. You want to give some time for that. So that's what I personally would say could happen. I think that, you know, Steve Bruce, and again, if you're on Graham Jones as caretaker, you've got a pretty tough, you have a decently tough run of fixtures coming up against Spurs. And then you've uh, you got a couple other teams after that. Um, let's see. I think it's Spurs followed by Palace away, Chelsea at home, Brighton away. Then you got Brentford. So it's like going into November, uh, and that Brighton one is right before the November international break. You've got, you know, Graham Jones maybe get the first win or so, but it doesn't really make sense to keep Steve Bruce around longer than he needs to be based solely on just what we've seen tactically from him. Like I said earlier on in the pod, any other manager that kind of has is in this sort of position similar to kind of what Wofford did 
you would be fired by now if you don't have any wins through seven matches and you're firmly in a relegation zone, especially with the amount of investment that's already been placed into this team. Obviously, there are certain things you can't control for. You can't control for Callum Wilson being injured, but you still have Alan St. Maxman healthy. You still have your back line being relatively unchanged from the back line from last year, all completely healthy. You've got Joe Willock, who's played damn near every match. Like The, the team should be looking better than they do, and that's why I think he gets fired sooner rather than later. Um, yeah. Definitely, in my opinion, probably before Tottenham. Follow-up question uh, from Rod, Rod K at RK Roadrunner. When Bruce gets sacked, has to happen soon, he says, who is the next manager? I guess the I mean, okay. Runner... The, the easy, easy answer is Graham Jones. It makes sense as caretaker for the time being. I, I just don't see that like Newcastle firing and then immediately opponent like a, a Conte or something. But that would be my first guess is like your the, the technical answer to that question is probably Graham Jones as a caretaker until you know the break, but or until December or until January or however you want to do it. But realistically, Greg, like we're talking the next person after Bruce, who do you think that would be? Yeah, so Graham Jones is the fourth highest favorite according to um, the odds. The, the the favorite to be our next manager is Eddie Howe. Or as Elijah famously calls him, Eddie Ho. Eddie Ho. Um, yeah, so he's, he's the favorite. Then Antonio Conti, then Chris Wilder, then Graham Jones, and then Rafa. Yeah, um, so, I've, I've heard some shouts about Rafa, and he doesn't break contracts unless absolutely yeah, necessary. I would, be, I would be shocked if he did it. But, like, he also deserves it, too. But, like, he's at Everton, and that's where yeah. his home is. Like, And also, people were like, yeah, it sucks. Like, they were, like, dogging Rafa for taking the Everton job. And I'm like, like, hindsight's 100% 2020 because you're looking at Rafa leaving China where – he got there, and that team would—they did not have the funds. They did not. They were not what they said they were. He comes back to the Prem Everton, a team that spins, a team that had a good season last year, um, and like it—that seemed like a good fit. Like I don't know what. And then today I'm seeing tweets about like, oh yeah, well Rafa got what he deserved. He didn't wait it out for Newcastle. Why the hell would he wait out for Newcastle? Yeah. At no, that I'm point, at fun. that point, the takeover was not happening, sir. It was not happening. We were at the beginning of the Premier League season. Newcastle brought in one signing. You're telling him to wait it out for Newcastle? No. He, he did the right thing by going to Everton. And if Rafa chooses to break his contract to come back to Newcastle, then sure, that'd be cool, whatevs. Um, but um, there's a there's been a couple of other uh, names that were floated out there. Jeez. Um, um, Roberto Martinez, Frank Lampard, Steven Gerrard. Yeah, Steven Gerrard was probably the big one um, uh, because he's at Rangers um, and it's like – that good mix of one decent at developing youth and also a younger coach that's been successful, probably good enough to get you out of the prem. Um, but I mean, if I were to kind of gun to my head, who would be the next manager? Whew, man, that's tough. Hmm. I don't know, Greg, I feel like you didn't actually give an answer. You said you said Eddie Ho is is that your answer? You're gonna lock it in because he's yeah, available yeah. and yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go with the favorite. You're gonna go with Eddie Ho. Um, I honestly think Gerard Gerard or Brendan Rogers. Um, I could see either one of them. I don't think it's gonna be Rafa. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it was. I know Stavely loves Rafa, 
Um, I know they had also potentially reached out to Jose Mourinho and Conte, and you know when the takeover was in different stages before. Maybe you see Conte, but he's a guy that definitely is not a mid-season bring-in. Like he's he's a guy you need to bring in like in the off-season. Um, and so I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, it's that's a, it's so tough to to figure out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. He's he's here and. I'm sure people would love to come figure out this project. Uh, so, and Conti's available. So that's the other thing is that you look at availability. Conti's available. Ho's available. You know, I'm going to keep calling Eddie Ho. Um, all right. Okay. We're going to wrap things up because it's, it's almost time for U.S. men's national team. Eric Schmidt says, how do you think, of course, in UFC Indiana, how do you think this change will affect the dressing room mentality? Certainly some of the first team starters will know they'll not be kept long-term. Could this have a detrimental effect on the team in the short term where picking up points is absolutely necessary? That is an excellent question. Um, I don't know. Do you want me to take a stab at it first or, or you? Yeah. Yeah. I said me or you, and you said yes. Oh, well, first you said, do you want me to take a stab? So I was responding to that. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I, here's my thing. I, I think in the short term, I don't think it will affect many players. Um, you look at Newcastle squad composition. I think there are some players already that kind of know like this is one of their last steps in their career. Um, they probably like it, like you, like Matt Rich is a good example. Matt Ritchie, like very close to leaving the club multiple times, interest, all that kind of stuff. Dwight Gale's another person. So like you look at the squad all together, there are some building pieces that could stick around. Like I think Joe Willow could stick around. I think Jamal Sells is probably going to be around at least in the short term for the next couple of seasons. Miguel Amaron, maybe in the next couple of seasons. I doubt Alan A. Maxman's going anywhere. Callum Wilson, again, next couple seasons. So Sean Longstaff has proven that he probably will be around, and maybe not starting, maybe not an important part of the team, you know, but definitely around. Um, but there's other guys that, you know, very close to exiting. You, you look at our center backs and it's like, yeah, like uh, freaking uh, Fabian Cher, you know, he's, he's getting up there in age. He's not super old yet, but again, he could be around. There's there's nothing that says he wouldn't be around, but maybe he's not starting. I could see that happening. Um, mm-hmm. Federico Fernandez, great to have, but he's I think he's almost 33 at this point. So he's probably his Premier League legs are starting to get behind him. Um, injury concerns, things like that. Having Manquillo, again, there's a lot of depth at Newcastle. And I think what people have to remember about um, anything like this is that you're not going to overturn it. And you, know, you don't overhaul a squad. This isn't football manager. This isn't. This isn't uh, FIFA. You're going to probably make a lot of, you know, you'll make some signings, maybe three to four a season. But, uh, you know, you've got guys who are probably going to be safe for the next couple of seasons. Maybe guys that will start to ask out. But any player that's legitimately considering leaving the club probably already was on the list. To, to It was already either linked to leaving the club before or, like, you know, you're not surprised they leave. Like, wouldn't be surprised if Mark Gillespie leaves. Wouldn't be surprised if Freddie Woman goes out on loan again. Matt Ritchie, Kieran Clark, Emil Kraft, again, guys, Paul Dummett, guys who, like, probably were on their way out of the club, probably don't really have a future in the club in its current state. Um, I mean, there's, like, I don't know, Jeff Hendrick, uh, John Joe Shelby, maybe is another guy who probably doesn't really have that much of a future at the club. These are guys, like, we already knew. Like, we were already calling for them to kind of get sold. We knew that they would move on. Any competent club would begin to move on from them. So I don't know. I think it's not going to have too much of an effect because the priority for all of these guys is to stay out. 
you stay up, you get paid. That's the big thing. Uh, and and if you and it, it doesn't it doesn't help you as a player if you're on a recently relegated team. Uh, there's not a ton of teams that are going to want you, um, you know, elsewhere. So. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much agree with everything. I, I don't think like uh, as far as like it, it, it's just, and it's too hard to tell too. like it wildly depends on who's our manager and how that player is performing at the time. But like, I mean, I'm sure the goal is that outside of maybe Joe Willick and Freddie Woodman, that everybody's gone. Like we don't well, have young... St. Maximin. Oh yeah. It's, yeah sorry. That, that was, it's so obvious that I didn't even think about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was, there, there's a few that like, there are, like, and people will probably like, Oh, but Callum Wilson. Yeah. yeah to- totally. He's 29. But, but like they're, they're going to find somebody better. They're going to find a better striker than Callum Wilson, which is great news for us. Um, yeah, but like, they're going to find a better winger than Miguel. I'm thinking, like, who I, has the best potential and the most runway, and that's that's what they're going to be thinking about for sure. Yeah, and again, this is you have to also remember that this is it's a slow. It's 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 nice to have money, but players are expensive, and there's only so much you can spend. So even if you want to bring in a world class attacking midfielder, you're probably going to be able to do that, and you're probably not going to be able to bring in like an immediate you know upgrade at fullback like that's going to be to the level that you want and and even if you do that doesn't mean that Javi Mankio is not in the team still he's probably still going to be in the side just not playing as much and if you look at kind of the Man City this is always a good like go back if you ever if you have time just look at kind of the Man City squads from when they were bought and you know they, they bought and Zeko and they like all that kind of stuff. Just look at that and kind of you can kind of use it as a frame of reference. Like there was still for the first few years some consistency, and then you had some guys who stuck around for the long haul. Um, but for the most part, you know, four to five years later, that's when you see the team completely transformed. All right, and then last question from one lost muffin is the NUC takeover a case of be careful what you wish for? Mm, I guess my answer is I guess. We don't know, but probably not. I mean, I think uh, I saw, was it Raj on uh, Men in Blazers said that Newcastle United has become the richest and most morally confusing clubs in the world. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if that's what you're asking or getting at, <clears throat> yeah, totally. Uh, but I think at this point, like, I don't know. It, I guess it depends if you can separate – football from politics if it's hard to separate which some people will be hard to then yeah that's probably a fair question uh if you can separate football from politics then the question doesn't make much sense i i don't really have an answer outside of that i would say i took this a completely different way i thought it was like a be careful what you wish for like with the riches comes like a lot more expectations a lot more like Oh, like for, oh yeah, I, I didn't I, even get that. Yeah, I, I took it like that. I don't know which way one loss is going in this direction. Um, but if you're going that route, I think it's like that does come with like becoming a contender. That's just like the reality of any team is that like you're going to have you're going to hold everyone to a higher standard. So like, you know, we may not like we complained about Lee Charlie, but we knew he wasn't going anywhere. But you look at like what Manchester United fans are going through and they're like they're in a decent spot and they're like, get rid of Ed Woodward. Like that is like that's the level of like yeah be careful what you wish for that I could see that coming for Newcastle oh, down yeah, the road we're, totally we're, we're going to have guys like it, we're going to have managers that on paper like Newcastle are completely safe and if you told a Newcastle fan 
that was following the team in 2019 that we want a manager fired because we're currently sitting 10th um, in the Premier League with 12 games to go. I like I, I that person be like, what the hell? Like, this is perfect. Like, what are you talking about? And we're, we're seven points off like Europe or something like that. Like we're that person always like, check our egos for sure. Yeah, yeah it, it's gonna be definitely like yeah. Remember where you came from. Exactly. Like it's gonna be like that. But also, I do believe that as you, as a fan of any team, as your team becomes better, your expectations should improve. And when you have the the resources to hire and fire people at will, um, if someone's not cutting it out, then like it, it is on the fans to make sure that ownership is well aware that this person is clearly not up to stuff. Um, yeah. you know, that, that, that will happen. I think that's, you know, it's a, be careful what you wish for, but you, you talk about Manchester United fans complaining about Woodward or Liverpool fans complaining about the lack of spending from Fenway sports group or, or Tottenham fans complaining about Bruce Levy. But the, the, the thing those teams all have in common is that their expectations are to win the Premier League. And there's people in their way that don't do that. And for some of those teams would not Tottenham, they've tasted that success and they know what it's like. They know what it's like to make a Champions League final. They know what it's like to win the Champions. They know what it's like to win Europa League. They know what it's. We don't even know what that's like. So it's uh. So that it makes sense. That, like their their expectation. Yeah, we did. Um, not me. I wasn't even alive. Um, but we know what their expectations are are, are on those level. And it's 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 just like it comes with the territory. Like when we get to that level, down the road, um, when it if and when, um, it it's completely realistic that this podcast becomes a. Uh, a fire Antonio Conte podcast because we're in 11th place, like something like that. Like oh, my Chelsea friend. That's when I come on to remind you where you came from. That's yeah. What but that's what I'll, I'll be. And doing. I think right now it's going to be really tough for, I don't know, a new, it, it'll be, there'll be, if you, if you follow the team closely, you'll be grateful that we're in the positions that we're in. Maybe in 10, 15 years, you see us being sort of the way that man, United, man United fans or Liverpool fans are, Man City fans are with expectations being so high, but we've got to at least get to a point where we're consistently winning to, to even get to that. Yeah. Be careful what you wish for type thing. Uh, last, last thing I'll say is for the Americans out there and well, just fans out there, but get your excuses ready now. Cause you're going to get roasted for being a Newcastle fan. Um, they're going to call you plastic. They're going to call you everything. So get ready for that. And get ready, Americans, to the new image and going to sports bars in America in the morning on a Saturday. You're going to see black and white stripes now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to happen. The bandwagon is loading up. The doors are open and people are going to start coming in. So just expect the new reality of, like, our cities. You would find maybe 13 people rooting for Newcastle United. Now let's turn that into, like – a thousand. So <laughs> the two Derby um, meetups are going to be insane. Yeah. In America. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's about to all change for us. I'm excited for the club. It's the fans. Deserve, the fans alone deserve this. They deserve a winning team. Uh, and I can't wait to see it. They, they deserve a team that cares. Yeah. There it is. Um, I, I, how do we end this? Usually you say something and then I say love you guys, but I don't even know how you end it. That that's been an episode of uh, Season Radio. Oh, so, go ahead, you do it. You sign off. Uh, in my last line of service for the dearest CHN Radio on the year of our Lord, twenty twenty one, Newcastle United are the richest club in the world. 
and this is the best damn podcast in America. The only true black and white podcast for Newcastle United. Mm. We, I, I will bid you farewell, but my friends, I'm going nowhere. Stay in touch. Love you, Elijah. And as always, away the last. Love you guys.